this is the art of discussing where everyone is committed to having discussions with people sharing different points of view while respecting the person expressing them. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. And I'm Kate. And we're excited that you've joined us. Let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to Art of Discussing. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Kate. And I'm Ben. And this episode is regarding military, specifically the perception right now of military, the uh, potential rumblings of changing the requirement standards because there's not a lot of people apparently eligible for the military according to their standards now. And obviously that's branch by branch is different. Uh, And then a lot of people are maybe not as interested in joining the military out of those who are qualified. So this is a conversation around military. I'm pretty sure we're going to get into other areas as well, or it's going to expand because that's just how we roll. Um, But anything you want to share before I start, Ben? No, that's just uh, military regulations and public perception and how, how far we've come. All right. Well, it's funny. So I grew up in San Diego, born and raised. And while I never realized this until I would talk to Ben and he actually mentioned this, I don't know, in the last six months or something. And he's like, San Diego is sheltered. And obviously I heard I'm sheltered, which is funny, but he's, he was saying, you know, because you have so much military and I'm like, so I, I grew up with probably a a bigger understanding of the military. And I had a lot of friends or knew of a lot of people uh, that were in the military. I grew up hearing the drills at Camp Pendleton. Like, so it was a whole part of my childhood. And uh, I even to this day, and I no longer live there, but I have seen a shift inside of san diego and how like military was very central growing up around daily life or on the local news etc and now it seems to have shifted a little bit and i feel like if that's the case in san diego there has to be potentially some level of that nationwide um of like a lot like a less a shift inside of that so what do you think ben with San Diego, sure, there's that like special public perception, but it really comes from a large military presence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is why I use the term sheltered to describe mm. the special nature of that, right? It doesn't exist. And in that proportion, it doesn't exist anywhere else anywhere else in that proportion Hmm. anywhere else but i would say even now san diego has shifted pretty significantly inside of their perception of military right but i hadn't even thought about that until you started talking about it i was like yeah i mean we have the naval base we have 
we had Blue Angels growing up until they left. We had Pendleton. We had uh, Miramar. Like we have, we have the subs. We have the seals. We have the regular Navy. Like we have a lot of stuff in San Diego. And I guess I hadn't thought of it, having I guess always been there, right? You know, you take it for granted. Um, but I still think that even inside of San Diego in the last five, 10 years, there's been a significant shift. I'm not saying we don't respect, but I remember the level to which we respect or like really have the military be centrally focused inside of San Diego life. Like, you know, there was like on the news is what I'm thinking of, like local news had always had all these like military stories, you know, all this other stuff. When you talk to people, there's a lot of respect for it. I remember growing up, I'd hear all before it got populated with a bunch of houses north of me. And I'm pretty, I was pretty far south, you know, from Pendleton to where I was living. Like we would hear all the drills, all the bombs going off, all the drills, all the practice, all that other stuff. And like that was almost comforting to me like growing up because as much as it would freak you out i started realizing i don't hear that as much anymore right and that made me kind of sad in a weird way so like i don't know and people talk about oh it's just pendleton or oh it's just this or oh it's just that and i'm like do you guys realize how what a like privilege that was you know, having military all around you, I guess, like and hearing those drills and knowing that they're practicing. And I don't know, I, as much as it would keep you up or shake your house, you know, being as far away as we were, I, you know, it was still it was still like a, an experience that I can't relate to somebody who's never had that. You know what I mean? So I guess you're right inside of that. Like, I never thought of it as sheltered or as the world's, Special. I guess. The first time you said that to me, I don't remember, it was in last year, you said something like, well, San Diego is like pretty much the only one that has so much military. And I'm like, really? Like, I feel like, no, really? Like, it actually had to me had made me think because I hadn't real like, if you think about it, yeah, we have two bases plus all the Navy stuff in San Diego and, you know, a, the SEALs and subs. And, you know, so I was like, oh, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about it. But that to me, that's normal. And I'm like, people, other places don't have this. So it was a reality check. But I still feel like if that's a if that's a symptom of San Diego, then there's a bigger, it's a symptom of something bigger, like a shift inside of, if you say San Diego is sheltered, Right now, if it's not as sheltered or it doesn't treat it as the same, there's there's that may be a symptom or a function of something on a bigger level that's outside of San Diego. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, and like in doing research for this uh, topic, I just see I see a lot of uh, articles and studies and polls that are just showing uh, trust eroding mm -hmm. for the military and i i think it's important to say as well right it's it's not useful to say trust is eroding in the military i mean it's accurate but the trust that's eroding is kind of in public institutions in our government institutions mm -hmm. the military is one of those and thus it is also eroding in the military, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. um, 
Unless when you're in the Space at... Force. <laughs> or the Marines. No. I mean, those, when and, I did and... the research, those two actually, although Space Force, I think they pulled a lot from Air Force, but for recruitment. Well, but, they did. Yeah. And they did. Um, but those were the two Marines and Space Force are the two that I guess met their numbers last in the last year compared to Navy yes, and Army. I saw that data as well. Um, and when you, so if you look more into that, right, uh, looking at Space Force, first of all, their air quotes numbers are super far, far low, right? Yeah, so they're very small. They're right, they're very small. So it's not really so hard to hit the numbers. Um, a lot of, uh, from, from the army chief of staff, uh, sorry, vice chief of staff, I was seeing that there's a certain of American youth that are period Mm -hmm. only a certain, a small percentage are even qualified by the military's own standards to join the military in specific the army because the army vice chief of staff was talking and of that small percentage i believe it was 23 percent even less of that 23 percent is not even interested yeah right so so then the, the problem keeps compounding so you have so much youth all of that youth is not even um qualified and then less of it is even interested so then there's this major problem. Which um, is where like the question inside of do they or have I think they have, but again, media may have driven a lot of this. So I qualify that. But I think that there's a lot of talk if they haven't already reducing some of those regulations or some of those uh, requirements for recruits, which is why I was asking this weekend, talking to you about, you know, your swim component of your right. different trainings. And, and actually I, I mentioned this to Tim and I was like, so is it that their requirements are lower for recruits or, and they know they're going to have to train them harder on some of these things? I don't think I said it specifically enough to actually get an answer, but that was kind of as he was talking kind of something I wanted to bring up because if, for example, let's say I can't swim, which spoiler alert, I'm not the best swimmer. I hate putting my head in the water, but whatever. Um, let's say I wanted to become, I'm also too old now, but let's say I wanted to become, you know, a Marine or army or Navy, whatever, one of them, right. Air force. Um, so if I have to meet that swim requirement, and I have to lose weight or I have to meet that swim requirement and I'm not too tall, right? Or I have to meet that swim requirement and I need to work out more because I don't have the muscle strength upper body. At what point have those regulations or those requirements gotten lower? Are they putting more effort into me getting up to snuff at the minimum or are they maintaining those requirements? So I guess that's my question inside of this. Like, have they changed the regulations? I think that's a component to this episode, right? Based on the recruitment numbers and based on the hard time recruiting people, are they are they lowering those standards and knowing they may have to train harder up? Mm. Um, a couple of things with that. Uh, without lowering the standards, 
first of all, I would imagine that they would probably be because you have to go through a lot of hoops to lure the lower the standard, right? You mm-hmm. gotta jump through a lot of hoops. And there's a lot of questions that need to be asked and answered is, okay, let's consider we have no other choice. We've got to lower the standard. The question now becomes, how low can we lower the standard until it is too low and now we put everybody that's out there in danger, right? What is the minimum safe requirement, right? Because arguably we did that when we chose the standard, right? So if that, if the data shows that we did that when we chose the standard, we're already there, then we won't lower it, right? But we'll, we'll have a study and see if what's what. So while that's happening, what you, what can be done is waivers, right? There are waivers for individual, but you don't want to blanket wavering. So uh, the military in general, like you can apply for a waiver, your case will be reviewed to see, okay, um, in your specific case, was I going to put you on the front lines? Were you going to be in this case or blah, 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 or are we going to grant you where, are we going to accept that risk, right? Like, if, am I going to sign, is someone going to sign off and accept that risk, right? Because the military in general um, uh, is pretty adept at accountability. So, sure, if someone is not up to the standard and um, someone with the appropriate amount of uh, authority and responsibility is going to need to accept that if there's to be a waiver, right? Um, And that's really it. Otherwise, what they will try to do, like you say, is they'll maybe give you a, a, grant you more time, grant you more time to lose that weight, grant you more time to get, I mean, as you, you mentioned, and as my, my best friend was kind enough to uh, reiterate, (laughs) I spent, I spent a, uh, considerable amount of time in a swimming pool, um, drowning, uh, <laughs> drinking Sorry, a lot of funny. pool water, drinking <laughs> a lot of pool water, trying to find the surface, um, working to come up to a standard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also at one point, spoiler alert, did not like having my head underwater and I was around a lot of people tra- who were training me who eh, did not care about that. So uh, it was it was not as important to them as it was to me. So so uh, eventually, right, uh, you, you get there or you spend a lot of time in that pool water. And or you don't make I say it. You spend a lot of time in that pool water. It, it does come to that. Right. But. Uh, there's some magic that happens in between the once again significant amount of time you spend in a pool, right? Uh, you, yeah, you you either make friends with the and and that's what I did. I made friends with the bottom. I you know I got got to where it is uh, because it's not only being in a pool in which I naturally sink with nothing on anyway, but now I'm have combat boots on and combat fatigues on and a pack and uh you know this and and so there's there's a lot going on um and it's all supervised but uh 
So you you will get there. You will build. And that's the military is excellent at showing someone who thinks something can't be done because it has to do with themselves. I can't do this. And showing them you can, it might hurt, but you can. And right, you'll get stronger. You just need to keep doing it. You might not want to get stronger, but the answer to can I is yes. So yes, that's that's the case. So, um, I, so have you yeah. in your research, did you find where they actually have lowered the standards? Because I've heard in the media that they have, but I don't know, or through your, you know, I know you have former military or current military friends, whatever that looks like. Have you heard of that being a thing where they are lowering the or using more waivers? And I know, I know mm-hmm. you only had one branch potentially, but, but for all of them, I guess that my question is like, have we reached that point? Cause I feel like I've heard we have, but again, I don't know that I trust all the sources I've heard that from. So I guess the question is, are we even there or have we already passed that line? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if um, they're looking into lowering the standard. I know that they've changed some of the less physical ones, right? Um, so I don't know, like when we're talking about swimming or PT, uh, physical training, um, but I know that there's new grooming standards, right? Uh-huh. Um, I know that there's new uh, uniform standards, for like say uh, breastfeeding mothers um, uh-huh. or uh, you know having hairs and buns or you know grooming standards. So uh, I know those change slightly, and that's that's probably for to to appeal to a different generation and try to you know try and have some of those things. I know there was also some things around transgender. Um, and trying to appeal to that population or allowing certain things, which is a criticism, I guess, that one side has for the military or the changes compared to the other side. Um, Because, you know, all these issues have opinions. So I've heard, I saw that in my research that there were certain standard changes inside of that. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know if it was standard changes or if it was just policy change. I'm not sure how how far they took it inside of if it's partly the recruitment side or just to your point, grooming and, you know, those types of things. I'm not sure about uh, I I am aware that there is a a new DOD, some sort of DOD instruction on transgender. Transgenders in the military, Uh, I would say on that is that. The military, the United States military is and has always been a cross-section, a microcosm of American society. Um, And it is usually more forward of that society in its own way. Um, So once upon a time before there was widespread... Uh, before segregation was, you know, like overturned throughout, mm. uh, you know, the United States, 
the military was already integrating, right? Like in having having that happen. Were they integrating or did they have like black units? Well, they did have black. Okay, so the, to your I wanna point. Be, I want to be clear because integration is different than just creating a unit that are all black. That That is accurate, right? So at first they had black units that and that was segregated, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to America integrating, right? The the military had already started to integrate. Okay. Right? Um it, it usually predates that. And and it, it's it's a lot of has to do with honestly necessity. So sure you you try to keep that clean um you know uh white unit go take that hill all right black unit go and reinforce the white unit but don't interact with the white unit yeah on a battlefield maybe that's harder to enforce right like maybe that's you know and then okay when all of that's said and done and you're trying to reform the unit and then command them to do something else right so it just stuff that is silly-ish, right? Like, I can't shoot next to that guy because his skin looks different than mine and I don't like him much, right? Is different when uh, rounds are coming towards you, when yeah. actual actual problems are coming your this way and if they hit you, then all your other problems go away, right? Um, so these issues, and we have... I, of course, um, don't ask, don't tell. These policies kind of, so it, hap- it, it, it happens a lot. The military deals with it sometimes well, sometimes not well. I don't, I don't want to say that the military gets these problems and they're like, ah, we did awesome with this, right? Like, I don't want to say that, um, but it is a microcosm of society. So issues that are in our society will usually find their way into our military and right or wrong policies you know is is made on that uh, let's see i see I, that the dod yeah so i don't disagree on the microcosms right like any mm. any society or any you know institution can have microcosms however i think where i disagree or my criticism is and mm. as we've talked about i am pro-military generally, right? Like, but I'm not blind. So some of the issues with when it comes to, yes, there's a policy, like the don't ask, don't tell versus there's a policy or a structure for reporting rape, for example, for reporting, you know, or like the don't ask, don't tell, like there's a lot of these. And I would even assert inside of integration, right? Even if you guys were the front runners, as you're asserting, the policy versus how it's enforced or how it is um, embraced could be very different. For example, there's still a lot, depending on obviously the branch, depending on the unit, depending on a lot of things, but there's still a lot inside of like, we, I still, I just saw an investigation in the last couple of years that about, and reporting uh, 
regarding people who work with the military inside of sexual assault cases or domestic violence cases and they're saying we're here to help but leadership in the military depending on where these places were is not to that level let's say that our businesses now are at inside of what is accept large businesses what is acceptable and not acceptable so i'm not saying that there aren't policies i'm saying the bad rap that military got over the years inside of some of these issues of like they're very you hear sometimes they're very archaic or traditional or you know like the don't ask don't mm. tell policy is very you know is a very good example of that the you know all the sexual assault when women started actually being integrated quote unquote into the units the the old boys club or the the mm. the um you know the 1950s 1960s way of looking at life has lingered i would say and is criticized for this has lingered uh way too long in some cases in the military uh and i'm not saying that hasn't improved just like anything else we're even societally not far enough ahead on some of these things but has lingered it, it almost feels like it's a little behind the times so i think compared to like general society in some cases and again i'm not in the military but how it's practiced versus its policies could be two very different things and that's what you have seen a lot of criticism i think of the military but that criticism wasn't loud enough because there was still a high level of respect for the military and what they've done you know after 9 11 before 9 11 protecting all you know protecting us and defending us all this other stuff there was sort of like a unspoken yes we're critical but it didn't get like if it was a, a large business it would have been blown out of the water right it didn't have that same impact so but now with the transgender policies and some of these other policies it's almost like one side which i think is fascinating one side's like well you've gone whatever the term is woke you've gone woke like you've gone you know, all the way over here and the other side's going, no, this is great, right? So I'm just like, at what point, if we're still dealing with cases of like women not feeling protected or confident in reporting rape and men feeling like they can get away with it, like there is something still inside of the military to be done. Um, and I just wonder why. So I, that's the part I disagree with you on. But I also wonder why are we getting so much pushback inside it? Or why is transgendered becoming such a thing when we're still dealing with things inside of women's rights and, you know, inside of some other stuff, practically not necessarily policy? I, you know, it's just kind of. I don't think that it's all sunshines and roses, I guess, is my point. I still think there's a lot of work to be done inside of like any institution on ensuring policies actually are transformed inside the behavior of the people running the policies and the units and whether it's a lieutenant or sergeant all the way up.
there's my spiel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So while and... I guess my point is while you're saying that yes, you're ahead and you're ahead of the times in some cases. No, no, no. No, yeah, like you I, started I... integration before the the country did, and you, you how you said it kind of sounded like you're forward then, like military is forward then. It it just didn't ring true. Okay, so and that I get that, and so let me let me clarify that then. So let me go back to clarify that because I don't want it to sound like that. Let me say this another way. The military has the same issues that our society has because it's, it is all the people that uh, are in our society are in our military. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And those issues get are dealt with usually um, in our military before they are dealt with in our society, that dealing with is not, first of all, final, and second of all, not always the best. It's just usually occurs prior to it occurring in the larger society, right? So no matter what we come up with, right? Like, I'm not saying, like, they they did that first and it was better, right? Because they didn't. They really didn't. And they can do that a lot differently, right? I If I was in the military, I can integrate a unit by saying this unit is now part of this unit, whether anybody in that unit or this unit like it, because I am here and this unit is here and this unit is here it, underneath me, right? So I don't care if this, if either unit doesn't like it, this is the way it is now, figure it out, right? Like I can do that because I'm in the military. That's how I dealt with it, right? And we're integrated. See, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And perhaps that's not the best way to do that. So I can do that prior to anybody in the country actually doing that. I have integrated the military and have I caused consternation? Yes. Yes, I have. Right. So I am pointing to that has happened. Right. So it's. Has it occurred prior to it occurring other places in the nation? Yes. Was that occurrence? Great. It wasn't. And I'm not suggesting. Right. Like the the military does things like better and more progressive. Um, I am would argue with you that it it does not do that well, particularly um in some things when it comes to technology that is by design right like so we don't get tangled up we're not talking about technology though um no i'm talking about human right right people for instance the sexual assault i mean and you name it uh on the whether we talk about integration and racism and uh organizational change um sexual assault mental health lifestyle um you know gender gender um assertions or you know how people feel about safety in their units all of these uh hostile work environments like all of those things are things that the military have dealt with dealt with again 
right? Sometimes they do well and sometimes they don't do well and they are still in the process of that. Do Yes, the, um, on many levels, we the military has a long way to go at addressing mental health of its members, addressing the sexual assault uh, of its members, so on and so forth, right? Like, mm -hmm. and and they understand that they have a problem. Now there's, is there behavior? There is an unofficial culture, right? Cause like, hey, so I say that as officially, right? And generally these policies and the policies sometimes, not always, but sometimes, sometimes the policies are well-written, decent policies, right? Let's, um, for instance, uh, well-intentioned policies. Let's go with, uh, I remember on the back of my mind, right? Like the sexual assaults uh, represent, like it's SARC is the acronym. I can't remember what it stands for, S-A-R-C. Um, but the sexual assault um, policy had like it made two, like a confidential version and a non-confidential version. And it had all of these, like it really tried to do where you could report it officially or not report it officially, but really still get like help and really tried to make gains in doing that. And there were these, there were still ways that it, it didn't work or it broke down, right? Like uh, that people still didn't feel safe or that they still felt like there was retaliation or they still felt like um, they weren't being taken care of. So there, there are very much imperfections, right? Sometimes they choose not to deal with it. Like famously, uh, don't ask, don't tell as a policy. That's... So they they make these policies and they're not always the best uh and they give birth what i do want to say is two things on that first of all uh to our elected officials and representatives watching you'll note that whether good or bad they do usually write something down right uh so points for that right like you might still get a c but at least you did something, right? You're going to sneak um, that in anytime you can. Right, anytime I can, because let's write things down. Mm -hmm. um, that public service announcement, over. And two, uh, they also give birth to, I don't know what the official term is, so I'll just say like unofficial policy, right? This is where hazing comes from, right? Like, oh, we'll we'll make our own culture right this is the official culture and the official policy uh but this is how we actually do it all right well great well i just made no. a great policy policy that you guys versus are practice right which is you know it's hazing isn't tolerated and now you've got to find the hazing because they know it's not tolerated you know so there's it's it's kind of it's it's difficult it's ongoing but there you go there you are but i wonder if all of this going back to our topic is one of the things that i saw inside of research was um people were attributing the trust factor going down 
to the military being almost politicized or polarized, depending on what you read. And I wonder if that is a function of some of these topics, right? Like transgender policies, that is the current one. But some of these other topics, I also wonder if it's inside of or a function of how the military leaders are responding to presidents, Congress, et cetera, especially if what they're saying, it contradicts one or the other. Um, Cause when- there's been, there's been instances, I can't think of the one right now. I remember one coming up in the research where like a general will come out and say something which is not supported or contradicts like the president or I think it happened recently. Um, okay. I'm not aware of this. We should, uh, if you can find that, that would be, cause those are two actually. And while you're looking for that, I'll just talk a little bit about it is. So those are two different sentiments. Um, a high-ranking military official speaking out in disagreement about a senator, something that a senator or a congressman said is different, to my understanding, than if they did that on what the president said. The reason being is that the president is their commander-in-chief and in their chain of command. So if they did that with something that the Secretary of Defense or their service secretary or the president said, that is someone that is directly in their chain of command, um, and that is improper, according to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It is, I mean, I would argue that it is considered improper for them to do so with an elected official as well. And uh, and it may be more acceptable, um, but still frowned on, I would imagine, to do so with a senator. Uh, military has a politics problem. This is so you're referring to a Washington Post article. That's the most I mean, I, there's others, but that's the one I found something in right now. I remember seeing and it talked about you can look it over, but it talked about Donald Trump. Um, ah. It also talked about, and I know that was retired, so there's that, but I also talked about Joint Chiefs of Staff, General uh, Mark A. Milley has has taken fire for a range of actions as well. Um, So I think, and and I feel like inside of the Afghanistan withdrawal too, there was some, maybe not overt, but like, hints from from 
the generals or people in charge inside the military on what they i pretty remember pretty well them saying something like no we had a whole plan that we recommended for them to pull out but that they didn't follow the plan right like there's has been some and i could, so, be, could be wrong. i it's, this is my memory so obviously take it with a grain of salt but i feel like there has been some um like not just straight down party line type situation like maybe we've seen in the past or not so i don't know if that is part of the reason why people in these articles were saying it's been politicized a little bit or polarized um but that has led to the decrease in trust so in in order Retired personnel can do whatever retired personnel. Yeah. Does. No, I understand. That was the Trump um, one. Right. Um, in uniform, uh, Chairman Joint Chief of Staff, I guess. Uh, and he publicly, exp- I- I'm looking at these bullets, but walking with President Trump for a walk from point A to point B after authorities had cleared a square of protesters. I understand why some people would disagree with that perhaps. And that does not seem, it seems like a, a stretch needs to be made to, in my opinion, to have that be political. Um, there was also the bullet point after that where it said he reportedly made disparaging behind the scenes comments about Trump who demanded he resign correct. and called him a traitor. So that is correct. I guess the point being just because like, this is the whole thing of PR. This is why PR exists, right? Perception is reality. Like it may not be accurate. It may not be real, but it is how people interpret what has happened. And that it's like a first impression on a, on a blind date or on a date or meeting some random stranger, right? Like your first impression matters. And I feel like it's the same kind of situation with in this situation, even if most of us could say it was forcibly clear to protesters, he walked in uniform, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that every, that that is, perception-wise, helpful to the military, right? Because if there was, a, depending on how they were forcibly cleared, whatever, I don't remember all the backstory on that. But I swore there was a couple others. This is only the one I could really find right now. But uh, the point being, I think I think that it's not the only thing right? That causes the distrust. But I'm not saying it. It's also, I think it would be naive to say it doesn't have a small portion potentially in in it. But I'm going to do some more research right now. So and this is interesting. So I, I admit to I'm reading that second bullet that you your point to about the disparaging behind the scenes comment about Trump who demanded he resigned and called him a traitor and um, Millie's office disputes this. 
and I I get that. <laughs> Millie's uh, the third. Let me before skipping over to the third bullet in which Republicans expressed outrage when Millie publicly defended the teaching of critical race theory in elective course at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. So not to touch too much on that third point, but West Point, the United States Military Academy at West Point is a school under the purview of the U.S. Army, and it's a federal school, right? So as head of the Army, General Milley is in charge of that. Um, if he's okayed an elective course and people disagree with that and he defends that he's defending a decision in his purview i don't see how that's different in them disagreeing with his tactics or his strategy and him defending his tactics or his strategy i get that it's I don't know why he chose that course. I don't, right? But it is in his purview, right? Uh, so is it political? I'm sure it was made to be political. Uh, but I, I, I don't really see where we, where we got that. However, that middle one, he made disparaging behind-the-scenes comments. Um, but Trump, there's so much I don't know there, right? Uh, if he kind of behind the scenes was that in like what he thought was private because that's right like if if he was kind of at home and i'm not saying he did this but if he was at home and talking to his wife and said gosh i hate my boss you know that's one thing and then his bot and his wife went and told trump right and then that got out that's one thing but if he was, say, talking not in public, but to a staff meeting with subordinates, and he said that in one of the subordinates, that is unacceptable because he was talking to subordinates about someone higher in his chain of command. That, yeah, that's unacceptable. Trump demanded he resign and called him a traitor. I get it. Is that political? No, it's not political. It's military. And have you... Do you know who General Douglas MacArthur is by any chance? Okay. For those yes. of you out there who do not know who General Douglas MacArthur is, he's a very famous general in World War II, esteemed general, very famous in also Korea. And do you know how he left service? So he, I don't think I remember. I remember the generals, but I, the generality, but I don't remember the details. Publicly disagreed with President Truman. And President Truman removed him from service as commanding general. Truman fired MacArthur. So... I don't want to spend too much time on this more than I already have, but if Trump demanded that someone resign, correct me if I'm wrong, 
he's pretty famous for firing people, yes? Yeah. So I feel like that is more... I don't know if he actually wanted him to go because he had that power. And I'm sure, I hope, somebody would tell him that. If he really wanted him gone, all he had to do was say so. Like, say so. Unlike classifying documents with his mind, all he had to do was say so. And and like I said, I'm not saying... I found I found an article, by the way, around uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal, and and maybe maybe what it is, Ben, is that our tolerance as a society or our viewpoint as a society, because he, as you were talking, it kind of made me think about this. If you know Ben and Kate to fairly innocuous people right like we have our community people love us sure but would the president know who we are no right so like normal average person can't have a conversation or can't uh have a disagreement of opinions and you also have that at the media level clearly at the congress and senate level and even at the presidency level right as a society we if we've gotten that divided inside of having these conversations or our viewpoints of what is acceptable versus not acceptable inside of a viewpoint that is similar or not to ours then that could have shifted the perception of the military going against the presidency and by going against it could just be clarifying their stance like no we actually said this right it could be pr but if your viewpoint is biden walks on water or trump walks on water and somebody contradicts that that person maybe now societally we've gone to a point where anyone who contradicts that is the devil or evil or not trustworthy, etc. Maybe that is what's happening in this small portion of what could be happening with the military uh, trust numbers, like we mentioned earlier. That could be maybe what is happening at this level. Maybe nothing's changed inside of how the military top leaders and the presidents are saying stuff, right? To your point about uh world war ii but maybe it's our perception or our level of what's acceptable inside of that interaction of like what's trustworthy like if if our filters are so clouded as a nation that we only accept these viewpoints or viewpoint adjacents where we maybe could get them over on our side because they sort of agree with us on certain issues and not on the other, anyone who is, you know, spouting things against that viewpoint is not trustworthy. So that could be what's happening inside of the perception of the military. Mm. I don't know, but it ha- you, what, something you were saying had me think about it in that sense, because it doesn't sound like technically they're going against the president. It may just be that we're clarifying this was actually what we suggested 
this was the plan. He didn't follow the plan as much as he may have said he did or said we didn't give him a plan, right? Because I think that's kind of what happened with Afghanistan. Biden's like, no, they said X, Y, Z in the military. No, pretty sure we didn't say that. We said Z-A-B, you know what I mean? So um, if that's the case and you're a Biden diehard supporter or you agree we should have pulled out, military could have been less trustworthy, right? So I think that might be part of it too, because I can't think of what else would be there, like what has gotten them polarized or what has gotten them politicized or to be seen as politicized as, an, as a body, a military body. I don't know where that's coming from unless it's stemming from something like that. I would say a fundamental absence of understanding of the U.S. military, their role and their place in the structure is what, by the U.S. public, right? For instance, you grew up around the military. There was always military around. The vast majority of the country doesn't have military around. And most may not even know somebody in the military. So, like to me, that's crazy to me. Right. Which is why I am realizing how different, I guess, my, my childhood was inside of this. So, I mean, so given that, right, their level of understanding of the military, they may not know uh, small things, right? Like, it's and it's been a long time since I have been in a school to learn what, you know, is being taught about if if anything, right? How the military fits into our the hierarchy, mm-hmm. right? Like civilian control, its role, right? What is the military's role? How is it, you know? So, given that, I think it's a fundamental understand. Like people probably don't know that it is against UCMJ to appear in uniform expressing political opinions right Mm -hmm. they may not know that that is not a thing if that happens someone is going to get in trouble right that's not like something that can happen Mm -hmm. um so then they draw their own conclusions and when they're drawing their own conclusions this is what they come up with that is what i think occurs i think on top of that too if the only Okay, this is going to make me feel old. Um, One more reason during this conversation. But if you think about it, 9-11 was 22 years ago. That's an entire generation that has seen the military inside the framework of 9-11 Afghanistan and quote-unquote a failed mission. Whether or not you agree with that, but politically, right? Like the pullout wasn't great. 
we were there for 20 years. What do we have to show for it? Like, there's a lot of this rhetoric happening. Um, again, to your point, if that's all that they're hearing and they see Afghanistan in this way, that is an entire generation that is now an adult who has that framework or that lens of the military. And if they're not given a different understanding or how the military fits in, and it's just, they think of it as a standalone thing. And I don't know, I'm putting words in people's mouths, obviously, but I'm, I'm just, you're making me think about how 22 years later, right? If that's basically a generation, quote unquote, of people, you know, a generation who even let's, let's even say 25, because when you're three, you have no idea, right? So let's say 25 years, right? I, I just, I think that there's something to that if they're not getting, if, if we're not educating, or they're not being educated inside of what the role of the military is compared to the other branches or the other functions of the government. And, and if they're only hearing and only having the perception inside of the media and they don't know anybody who's been in the military, et cetera, that might also lend itself to this lack of trustworthiness. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, also. So, and I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to say 22 year olds don't, you know, anything or whatever, but I'm just saying like, if that's all you've seen and you're like, as you're growing up, it's a very different potentially perspective than other people who are older, similar to if Vietnam affected your generation so heavily, you may also have a different perspective versus world war two. Yeah. And the, uh, a difference, right. Is that world war two affected the populace at mm -hmm. home more so as well right like mm -hmm. war gardens rationing uh, yep. industry a lot of things like that whereas vietnam uh was marked by a lot of protests a lot of people Draft. going over there a lot of right you know there was so i think it has more in common with the latter than the former, right? Mm -hmm. um, because Vietnam was over there. And if you weren't there, then it was very out of sight, out of mind, unless there was a protest or something along those lines. Um, and for a lot of years, I'm sure a lot of the nation is not able to point to, if they even know uh, what Afghanistan's capital city is. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, it is not Kandahar. Um so it's it's those things that are right it's out of sight out of mind being in the military it's less out of sight out of mind um i agree with and, you to a point i think vietnam draft though got a lot more people to your point earlier inside of like knowing somebody who went into the military because they had to Right. Like it was a little bit more, I think it touched more people's lives inside of that and it left a bad, maybe potentially a bad taste in their mouths. 
um, because of the draft and like what they saw coming home and the protests, et cetera. I'm not saying for everybody, but I'm saying, I think that had a bigger, like Afghanistan was never, wasn't a draft situation. It was over there completely to your point. It was kind of in the background for the last 15 years, let's say, unless you knew somebody who was killed or somebody in your town, which again, not every town had military base. Um, so, you know, I, so I, I wonder, I'm trying to think of another time that, or another similar war, I guess, that um, was that long that had that same impact or lack of impact on everyday life here in America for the average person historically. That long? Yeah. There isn't one. Which is kind of my point. Because if you're not seeing an impact on your own daily life, and yet troops are dying or over there coming back, like, you know, they've done multiple tours, everything else, and you keep hearing about Afghanistan, it's kind of like, well, what's, what's the point of the military? Or why are we doing this thing over there? Right? Like, there's it's a different perception than some of these other wars that we've had. Okay. So here's a, here's an interesting question. This is a little bit of a curveball. Kind of afraid now. So whose job was it to bring them home then? I would say Congress and president. I mean, technically Congress is the one who can declare war, right? And like send them. So I would say it would be Congress or the president inside of that. Military really to me, in my understanding is the mechanism or is the, is the tool that we use to implement, right? they have they're really good at plans they're really good at implementation inside of you know taking over and and safety and all that inside the company like actually doing the job and i'm not saying that the leaders don't have responsibility in that but technically congress is the one who says yes go like a declaration of war or and i would think come back like we're done we're pulling out obviously the president has i think a role in that as well and can say hey congress this is what we want to do but i I could be wrong but i don't see the military as being the one who's like hey are we done yet like all right you may not be but we're pulling our people because that they are working for the president and in an extension the congress Did I pass or half pass? It's not really a, a, it's not really pass or fail, right? Like it's just, I guess it's more rhetorical, but that's something to think about. Well, what's the answer? Who is the one who brings them back? Even if it's just not policy and practicality of the last wars, who were the ones to bring them home or to declare it 
over were coming home. Obviously, it was the president for Afghanistan because he's the one who pulled out troops, who ordered the pullout of troops, unless I'm mistaken. He's the one that did pull them out. But my question, right, is whose responsibility was it to bring them home? Not who actually did it. Yes, and I thought it was Congress. Okay. Is that not accurate? It's a rhetorical question. Is there nothing, like, policy-wise? Because I thought Congress is the one who had the ability to do the to do declare war. Is there anything in the Constitution or policy that has... Do we not have that? Is that your point? We don't have, like... Does anybody control Congress? No, no, I'm saying, do we not have a policy inside of who is responsible to bring them home? I would say it really depends on your point of view. So there's nothing in the Constitution. There's nothing in the law, is what you're saying, written down. Uh, Congress has the a power to declare war. But nowhere does it but, say who has the power to bring them home? Uh, well, I mean... You opened a can of worms if, and I want to I wanna know. I want to know. So... Did Congress declare war on Afghanistan? I don't remember. That was like half a life ago. Right. I thought it I thought president went to Congress. Let me let me ask let me ask an easier question. When was the last time Congress declared war? According to Google, it was World War II. Okay. It was a couple of years ago, yeah? A little more than that. Okay. So if Congress has the power to declare war, and the last time they declared war was World War II, right? It's just, so this is, again, rhetorical question. But this is the this is the systems and trends thing. So the systems, the the actual law, Congress has a power to declare war that is given it by the United States Constitution. It has not used that power since 1942. 1941. Wow. History Channel had 42. Hmm, okay. So it was declared in 1941 and probably approved in 1942 because it was December 7th. So yes, it was probably approved in 1942. And if that's true, then every time we go to these conflicts, Vietnam, Gulf War, right? 
I'm sure that there's something else that's happening. We probably have a resolution authorizing military force. Okay. Which technically speaking, isn't the same thing, but who's, who's, who's driving this bus, right? If it's Congress. Okay, sure. Got it. Ultimately, and I will tell you this, from the United States of a, a military's perspective, our center of gravity is the American public. And the, our military knows that our adversaries are aware that our center of gravity is the American public. Whose responsibility, if you ask me, whose responsibility was it to bring us home? It would have been ours, right? Ours being the American people? The American people. Congress is pretty demonstrated in my, again, in my humble opinion, if they can not do anything and stay where they are, they would do that. I think that proves the point, though, inside of. And nowhere in there did you say it was the military. So the military perception or not, maybe getting an unfair rap inside of this trust thing because or their level of trust, because they're really the they are the head of the sword, not the portion that moves the sword somewhere. Precisely. So, um, I and would, and that doesn't like, negate like what we had talked about issues within the military, etc. But when it comes to <clears> the trustworthiness, that I think kind of, I think you just spoke or you just uh, answered that question as to like. Or not answered it, but but spoke, spoke to, to uh, yeah, spoke to uh, why like uh, spoke to why it may not be accurate inside of the the public's opinion. I don't think the public understands. Yeah. That. Yeah, right. no, I understand. I'm just saying, like, but you're you're not. You never said that there was a reason for them, like, you know, if, in answering the question about who should have brought them home. At no point did you say military. So you spoke to the trustworthiness Respons- in a mm-hmm. back ended way, right? Res- and responsibility to bring mm-hmm. them home. Yeah, because because there's a great many people who could have brought them home. Right, mm-hmm. someone did. Right. For better or for worse or whatever. And when you look at whose responsibility that was. Things get that discussion opens up a lot of. Possibilities. And. My implied point is right, like whose responsibility was it to to bring them home? It was not the military, right? Like I like your, uh, you know, use of a metaphor of a sword, right? 
a gun also works, although that's a little more charged. But right, we our our military like the sword isn't responsible for it's like moving and mowing of people down. It's that person that wields it. And this country wields our military. And it doesn't always look that way, right? Because our military is made up of people. And those people have a great amount of discipline. And they that discipline has, right, that that trust, which is why it's important to understand. That's why I know it's not... If the military was truly politicized or becoming politicized, you would know it mm -hmm. because it would look more like an autonomous sword or an autonomous gun. Yeah. And that mm, is something to worry about, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Right? That's like why if, I think. If I, I put a gun on a table and it starts moving around to point at me, I would be worried about that. If I put a sword on a table and it starts like moving around, yeah, I would go, hmm, that's nope, that is not why I, mm -mm, nope, that is not okay. Right. And that's what that looks like in other countries. And I think to your point, that, or I think what I got out of this conversation was it wasn't, it's not that the military has changed, it's that the people the military are serving have changed if it's the political if it's not political if it's the public right or the government if the military if the perception is is how we have changed our perception of the world as a country versus the military actually as a body shifting viewpoints And inside of what you just shared, I wonder, though, like, at what point if we get to a point, if they're serving us, right, if it's if we are the ones who should have brought them home because it's public opinion, et cetera, or Congress or whatever you want to call it, um, at what point does the military while defense wise and safety wise this is not a thing but is it possible that as a at, at some point we could just be like as a nation have a large voice and say the military is awful shouldn't be around we're going to be pacifists now we're getting we're dismantling it i don't know that that's ever going to happen but if we're starting to get this distrustful of the military, it makes me wonder what's the next step or what's that next future look like? Or will it be, I hate to say this, self-corrected because something happens and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need the military. I don't know that I understand what you're asking. Say that a... Uh... If you, if what you assert is accurate, that public opinion, right, or us as a, as a nation's people are the ones that could have been responsible in pulling out the military sooner in Afghanistan, right? And that what I have come to realize through this conversation that maybe it's not the military that's got, that's changed 
it may be us as a people looking at the military differently than 20 or 30, 40 years ago, right? Based on the filters we have now, et cetera. At what point does that, mm, at what point does one influence the other? What point does our public perception of the military, if, if it continues to get to the point where we don't trust the military at all, military may not have done anything to deserve that, right? I would say if this was happening in 2004 or five with the atrocities that were happening uh, Gitmo and uh, Abu Ghraib, like all, all of that stuff that was happening over there. And that was a huge outrage. But I don't think that we ever had this level of distrust before. At that time, it was a blip versus kind of this has been a steady decline. I wonder if at what point that trustworthiness or that public perception influences the military, meaning at what point do we say, military, we don't need them anymore, they're gone, right? Like we don't trust them enough, we need to dismantle it, you know, we wanna be isolationist, whatever, right? If if you're saying that that is, if us as a body were the ones who could have brought them home, and I'm not disagreeing, I'm, it just made me start thinking of this, if that's the case, then at what point do we say, yeah, military sucks, get rid of all, right? Like, or let's start over or whatever. Like, or they can't even do their job. Like they're getting spit on, they're doing all this, walking down the street, like all this other stuff. Kind of like the law enforcement right now with defund the police after the last three years. Like if we get to that level of distrust, at what point does that influence um, how or if we use the military and what would correct, correct that? Like, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's, a, and this might be a rhetorical question, but I feel like that's a rabbit hole that isn't a problem because, and this goes back to Congress, if Congress isn't declaring war and doing their job, I get that that's also on us as a as a people but this whole conversation right now is making me really sad and slightly depressed so I, i'm just kind of like if we like i hadn't thought about this being an influence towards the military like how how we have been perceiving life as a country you know kind of like you're on this side or that side you agree with me you don't how that could influence long term if it continues to influence the public perception and trustworthiness ratings, you know, of the military, how it, how that could have a significant impact on the military itself and or how we use it, if we use it, if we have it, et cetera. And that makes me kind of nervous. Oh, uh, I think. Uh, first of all, if we chose to, we could get rid of our military. Uh, there's nothing that says we have to have one. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nor do I. <laughs> and I think that 
at that point in the discussion, uh, other people will, in other entities will be inviting themselves to that discussion. Other entities. Yes. In like special, a discussion, like private industry. Like or other foreign entities. Like other nation states and gotcha. non-nation state actors. To potentially force us to make a choice. Yes. Well, on that lovely note. Yeah. Fun fact. Our military predates this country. Hmm. Most of it, anyway. <laughs> not the Air Force and not Space Force. Okay. But the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps predate this country. So, uh, and we cannot. Yeah. Interesting. Indeed. It's fun to say freedom isn't free till you try to put it on sale. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, that concludes our discussion on military uh, regulations, changes in military regulations and public perception. Yeah, if you would like to hear something that piqued your interest and you'd like to hear more about it, please just reach out to us at info at artofdiscussing.com. Uh, and until then, keep discussing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on social media and check out our Patreon page. Leave us a review on your listening platform if you like the podcast. If you haven't heard your viewpoint or would like to be a guest, email us at info at artofdiscussing.com. Till next time, remember there's more sides to the story than yours. Look, listen, and learn, and keep, keep discussing. discussing.